This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. A little different. We didn't really know where the time was, uh, what the period, and, and kind of what was going on. There's no Jumbotron, no, no nothing going on. So uh, a little adversity, but it uh, wasn't too bad. I mean, they scored a couple of quick goals. So, um, like you said, thought we were playing a pretty good road game. You know, low event game, low scoring. We were comfortable. We've been playing a lot. Two previous games are like that. I liked their game, and we scored two quick ones. Hey, we played, came on the road, we played eight great periods of hockey. And, um, you know, one we let get away from us. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate. There, there was points we had in this game. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success in this building in the last, I think we won eight in a row here. So um, at some point, something's going to give. And, um, you know, they got that early one and it went their way. And, you know, they, they played well. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, you sit here five minutes after the game and they're like, oh, man, I like didn't get some points. But I'm looking big picture. I like a lot of what we've done. And we just got to carry that into uh, Buffalo a couple nights from now. Yeah, that's true. Are we on the air? Yeah, we are on the air. Power's <laughs> not out. Power's not out. We're good. We have internet. We have internet. Technology's great until something happens, right? And the power goes out and all oh, mm-hmm. loose. But we uh, persevered. the The teams both decided it was it was okay to play. Specifically, the goaltenders. It was a uh, a crazy night in Philly. They did pay their electric bill, so that is good. And there will be more power for them moving forward. Unfortunately, the Lightning didn't have as much power in that third period, and the Flyers ended up coming away with two points. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is our producer. Everybody's uh, excited. They've got some opinions on X. Please hit us up there if you want to, at Bolts Radio. But uh, Dave, before we kind of do the game breakdown, uh, I told you before the air, we came on the air. Uh, kudos to you. Great job. Um, in when I say difficult circumstances, I, I don't want to make it seem like you were in a bunker facing cannon <laughs> fire and calling a game. But, you know, you had to get your cell phone on kind of different surroundings from that perspective. You're not really sure what's going on. You didn't know how much time was remaining. Things went out. And, you know, for some people, although I think broadcasters typically should have um, the ability to be calm in those settings because there's only so much you can control and i i thought you were able to really do a great job like you always do but um you know good stuff with those circumstances and i've got to think for you when that all happens it's kind of like what's happening what's going on take us take us inside just that moment from a broadcaster's perspective because i know we had to hustle a little bit behind the scenes and we ended up making it more of like a round table discussion which actually worked out well it brought back the days of like a rain delay in baseball when you you're just mm-hmm. trying to kill time uh and you have some some storytelling and some good conversation well the closest thing that i had come to what you were going through i was a college student calling an ecac playoff game for yale and the college radio station yale was the lower seed we went to colgate which is located in hamilton new york it's kind of farm country Basically, it's a rural area. And it was the first period of game one of a best of three. All three games were to be played at Colgate. First period ends, Zamboni comes out on the ice, makes one half loop and breaks down. 
stops stops moving but the water is flooding out of the back of the zamboni they cannot move the zamboni and long story short it basically took them two hours to get the zamboni off the ice and when they got the zamboni off the ice they discovered that there was a huge hole in the ice from where the water hot water right zamboni puts hot water on the ice and then it freezes back over so the the rest of the game was unplayable but we didn't know that until the zamboni was actually moved the game wasn't called and you've experienced this i'm sure greg college radio it's not like you have a full crew to help you out it's basically you the person calling the game with you it's you you and you yeah essentially that's it (laughs) so we covered two hours my broadcast partner and i covered two hours of basically filling time and this is pre-internet i mean there we had out-of-town scores from the other ECAC playoff games and we repeated that a lot we repeated the scoring in the first period a lot I think there were three goals scored and you just kind of tread water until until you can figure out what's next and the way they got the Zamboni off the ice this tells you a little something about Hamilton New York they brought a tractor on the ice and towed the Zamboni off the ice so that was that was a challenge that was more challenging honestly than than what I did deal with last night and you said what was going through my mind the lights went out completely dark and then it was almost like auxiliary power came on and i guess it wasn't auxiliary power it was just that some of the lights were affected some of them weren't however it played out we had lights in the building but it was clear all the electricity in the press box that was off so when i was when i was dealing with my own equipment and basically responsible for getting myself on the air i would have stressed out a lot more than my level of stress last night that was more stressful for probably my engineer alongside me in the press box and steve ersnick who's like how are we getting them back on the air and kudos to steve for coming up with the the idea to just do it over the phone but i don't know you're just kind of zen about it right like i was off the air but Flyers radio was off the air. TV was off the air. And then they decided to resume play. It's kind of interesting. I don't often get to just watch a game, but I really had to watch it to relay what was happening in case there was a goal scored or something like that. I needed to be able to describe it. So it was kind of interesting. I was, I was half kind of communicating with you guys, but while play was going on, I was really trying to focus on what was happening in front of me. And then and then we did the last probably, what, four to five minutes over the phone in the first period. And then we did the start That's of the nice. second. And then the lights, the, the full lights came back on right around the time that Nick Paul scored. So, look, calling the play-by-play wasn't that different. It was just I didn't have a headset on. Figuring out the time was a little bit of a challenge in the first period because lightning got a power play. You had no idea how much time was left on the penalty or how much time was left in the period. But you had an idea based on the TV timeouts. When the full lights came back on, the scoreboard did not come back on, but I'm, I had a monitor that was showing me the Philly home telecast and that had a clock on it. So I was able to see the clock from that point onward. So you roll with the punches, do the best you can. You do. And That's an act of God. I mean, there's nothing anybody could have done about it, right? And I think that who knows if they made the right decision to play 
I mean, otherwise the game wouldn't have ended until, what, 11.30 or later. So I think from that standpoint, it makes sense. I'm not sure if the television partners are exactly thrilled that they missed the equivalent of a full period of action, but they wanted to get the game in and they they talked to the players and the goaltenders and the coaches, like you said, and everybody said, let's play. So they decided to play. There were no goals actually scored with the half power, let's call it. For sure. Yeah. And well, the thing that was interesting is that, you know, we were talking about it and, you know, I, Eric mentioned it to Chief. There were a couple of things we were wondering. One, what would the ice condition be like, you know, look like? Two, from a goaltender perspective, I know they had to sign off on it, but that that vision in the background, what would it look like? Because the description was the lighting on the ice was good, but maybe the lighting beyond the ice wasn't. And mm -hmm. if things are blending in like the color of the puck, does that hinder the goaltender's vision to be able to make the save? These are just things that yeah, but we were I don't asking know. I don't know what the vision or the, the sight lines were like standing in the net because the, the rink was lit. So I'm not certain how different it was. I mean, it was just less bright, but I'm not sure that they had a dark background necessarily. I don't know. Maybe they did. It was hard to tell from up top. Makes me think though, like the players of course want to play, right? The skaters, I should say, want to play. And the coaches are probably like, all right, that's fine. So they talk to the goalies. What if one goalie says, yeah, I'm fine. But the other goalie, <laughs> the other goalie is like the one juror, right? <laughs> it's like, no, I feel this defendant is not guilty. Even though the other 11 jurors say guilty. It's like 12 angry men, right? Right. There's a, <laughs> there's an old reference for you there is. in play, but both goalies signed off on it. They did. I don't know if you're the, if you're the goalie. Let's say you're Airson. Like, yeah, Vasilevsky said it's okay to play. <laughs> if you're Sam Airson, or you're like, mm, I don't think so. I want to wait for full power to come back. How that would go over? Well, I don't know if the Lightning are going to use that as an excuse because, no. as you've said, both teams had to deal with those circumstances, and I think it's unfortunate the way it unfolded because the general consensus was, and I think you mentioned this on the air as we we dive into the game, is the Lightning actually played a pretty good 40 minutes you know all things considered yeah, on the did. road against the team that is playing well and philadelphia had something to play for too because they were coming off a couple of bad losses so I, I i acknowledge that too but you know the lighting were feeling good about their game and i'd say through the first 40 minutes dave they they were playing a pretty good road game thing was tied at one apiece and i think at that point you're feeling okay that i think the lightning are going to get some points out of this one and then it it didn't happen. Yeah, they put themselves in position to get points for sure. So this may be a little bit of an unpopular take, but in the old process versus outcome seesaw, if you want to call it that, or dynamic or sliding scale, you want the process to be good. You want the outcome to be very good, obviously. Lightning didn't get the outcome last night. I didn't mind their process. I think they had a tough third period once they fell behind the Flyers gained momentum and the Lightning had a very difficult time pushing back. But that can happen. I mean, we saw it happen to the Devils on Sunday when the Lightning got a big insurance goal and really rode that wave of momentum through much of the rest of the third period. The Flyers were able to do that when they when they made a 1-1 game, 2-1, and then they grabbed momentum and scored another one right after that. 
that's where in-game momentum can really have a huge impact on flow of play. But you look at the road trip the Lightning had, they had eight pretty good periods. John Cooper said that. And I think last night, their process was was pretty good. I mean, they had a couple of mistakes. And, you know, let's let's be frank here. The winning goal scored by Tyson Forrester is not a scoring chance. That's not a defensive breakdown for the Lightning. That one is on Vasilevsky. Guy's on his backhand. He has really nowhere to go with the puck unless he decides to take it to the corner. Was it DeHaan? Was DeHaan the defenseman <clears throat> defending him? I think you're right. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, it was actually Lillibur? Nick Perbix. Perbix? Perbix and Lilleberg were out there. One of them might be defenseman. <laughs> yeah. Perbix, Perbix is, is taking him wide. And really, Forster does the only thing he can do, which is just throw it to the net. And Vasilevsky didn't get over to protect the short side post. It was a big, big goal. It totally changed the complexion of the game because I'm not sure the Flyers, after the first shift in the second period, when they buzzed a little bit, I'm not sure they had one scoring chance the entire second period. And they really didn't generate many in the first either. But then they got the lead in the third period and they started feeling some mojo. And on goals two and three, the Lightning did have breakdowns on their rush coverage. Well, one was a breakdown on rush coverage. The Sanheim goal, Sanheim joins the play late. Nobody picks him up. And Vasilevsky is screened on that. Now you want to make the argument that he should have found the puck anyway. I'll leave that to the goalie experts. The fourth goal at that point, I mean, the, the Flyers are like an enormous snowball rolling downhill and the Lightning just can't do anything to execute a play cleanly up the ice. They get the puck out, but I think there was a partial change in there and the Flyers countered quickly and Walker makes a great shot there. But again, it's a counter chance. It's off the rush and the Lightning had a breakdown. So look, they had a couple of mistakes in the third period once they fell behind. The winning goal was not a mistake by the Lightning. But where I go back to the process, like the way the Lightning played should inspire confidence that if they are going to play that way, and that is kind of the norm rather than the exception, they are going to be in very good shape to get points regularly. And that's why we said last night they were in shape to get points. They were in a position to get points. But... Well, and that early goal in the third so was the biggest goal of the game. That's a backbreaker. That's a backbreaker. You don't say that often with Vasilevsky. It's okay. I mean, for us to look at that game and say, you know, that's a goal he wants to have back. Even Chief, who played the position and yeah. is as pro Vasilevsky as I am, uh, next to his family, is was in agreement that that's that's. Yeah, a, I didn't hear his comment. Yeah, but, you just can't get beat. Yeah, on a shot like that. So I, I and I, I think. Was there a letdown after that? Uh, you know, you, you can make that case. Yeah. You can make that case. In a game like that where it was it was going to be close, you can't let in what we would call a soft goal. You know, I don't want to overanalyze it too, too much. I mean, there are, there are things we can break down in that game. John Cooper's early decision to pull the goalie. He had to. I, I think he yeah. had to find a way to, to change... Not even the game's momentum, although I think he was trying to do that. Obviously, he wanted a goal, and he got a goal. It, it took a few minutes, and the Flyers had five icings where they shot the puck at the open net and missed all five times. I mean, they weren't even trying to get it out to the red line. A 4-1, maybe they figure, 
we want some empty net candy, which they ended up getting because they scored two empty netters. But I think Coop was looking for something to pull his team out of the doldrums because the first 10 minutes of the third period were bad for the Lightning, both in terms of they allowed three goals, but also the Flyers had all the possession. So when you pull the goalie, you do raise the urgency level on your side, at least you hope to. And I think I think it worked to some extent. And they got the goal from Stamkos, but that was a tall order to score three sixth attacker goals. Heck yeah. That's and I mean it's not like the Islanders who got two power plays basically when they made a three nothing yeah. game three two. Lightning didn't get any late power plays to turn a six on five into a six on four. And let's not forget, I mean, the Flyers are the number two penalty kill team in the NHL. Sure. It's not exactly the same, but they are very good when they are down a man. They know how to play when shorthanded. And it wasn't five on four, it was six on five, but a lot of the same principles are at play. Yeah. And couldn't stop the bleeding a little bit after that goal. And the That's Flyers putting it. Yeah, the Flyers were able to take advantage of of that goal and, and build some momentum. We talk about momentum in a game. How often do we talk about it? What do you do with that momentum? Well, the Flyers were able to yeah. you know, give themselves some separation and kudos to them. They earned it. And that's a team that yeah. that's a team that wants to make a push here. And we'll see what happens. Sanheim had another goal. He's been he's yeah. been hot recently. He has been hot. They have a lot of goals from their defense. I mean, they got one from Cam York into the empty net is eight, sure. but they got even strength goals from Sanheim and Walker. Sanheim got his eighth, Walker got his sixth. Yeah. So I thought a pretty impressive performance from them. I thought the Lightning, the 40 minutes they they had in that in that game against the Flyers, they can maybe build off of that. I asked Chief, is that a game understanding what happened in the third period? But when you let in a goal that that Vassy did and, you know, you feel for him. But uh, that's a helpless feeling as a team when you're playing pretty well and the goaltender lets in one like that. It doesn't happen often with Vassie, but, you know, just take a look at around the league. You know, those uh, in playoff series, the Lightning have been in where the other team's goaltender lets in a softie. You know, we talked about that Nadelkovich goal that he gave up, what was it, a yeah. couple years ago, where it, it can kind of set the tone for the game or that period. But I'm wondering if that's an easy game to forget in many ways, partner, where you did pretty good on the road trip. You had a first couple of uh, the first two periods in that game against Philadelphia was pretty good. You don't think Vassie's going to have moments like that where he lets in a softy and you can't really control the momentum after that. Can it, can you move on from a game like that a little easier knowing that, you know, overall we did some good things and now we have to focus our attention on Buffalo or do you let it, do you let it linger a little bit? I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to let it linger, but what you want to see is them boomerang back to the sort of hockey that we saw for eight periods. And they weren't perfect. I mean, we we said that. They had some problems clearing the zone. Even last night in the first period, they had a couple instances and the 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 play-by-play was off at that point. So I'm just telling you, I saw it where the Lightning were trying to pass out of the defensive zone. The Flyers blocked it, held it in, applied some pressure. We saw that at points in the Islander game, more so than in the New Jersey game, but but a little bit in, in both games over the weekend. But their level of play defensively as a whole was very, very high. 
in the eight periods. That's what we want to see carry over into the Buffalo game tomorrow, which is the start of a five-game homestand. The Sabres are falling out of the playoff race. I mean, I'm not sure. Mathematically, they're still alive, but they have a lot of ground to make up, and they have a lot of teams to jump over, even though they've been playing pretty well. Recently, they, they ran into Florida last night and lost in regulation. And teams like Buffalo and Ottawa, teams that had kind of been playing pretty well and getting points, like they just have no margin for error. Ottawa has lost two in a row in regulation all of a sudden. So these teams are falling out of the race even more. But we know that the Sabres can be a dangerous offensive team. Not as dangerous this year as they were last year. But I think that the Lightning have to bring the same level of attention to detail defensively against this Buffalo team. And they cannot let these swings of win two, lose three, win three, lose two. Like, they lost one in regulation. Let's get right back on the horse and start this homestand on a good note. They've got some taking care of business type games on this homestand. You're starting with two teams near the bottom of the standings in the East, Buffalo and Montreal. Then you get four days off to get ready for Calgary, which at that point will be a day before the trade deadline, and they may be a very different team when they play the Lightning as opposed to what they look like right now, and they are on the wrong side of the playoff cut line. And then you finish with two teams in playoff contention. Philadelphia again, but I mean, the the Flyers are a good team, but the Lightning have, have looked pretty good against them, I think, for the bulk of the two games. And then you finish the homestand against the Rangers, who have been one of the top teams in the NHL. But the way the homestand starts, these, to me, are taking care of business games, especially the two to round out this week. Munching points, you know, right. and gaining some separation from some of these teams, even though, you know, Buffalo's... They're, they're not in a position like some of these other teams, but you want to still continue to, I think the way you described it, beat the teams you're supposed to beat is, is I think. The Sabres are competing. I will say that. Like, they have not, they have not said uncle. I mean, very few NHL players say uncle. But you just look at their last 10 games. All right, their last 10, they're five and five. But I think before their last loss, right, they had been on a pretty good run there. Beat, they're beating some pretty good teams, actually. Yeah, they're a team that has enough talent that can scare you. You know, if you're not playing, yeah, if you're not playing well. So I I acknowledge that. I mean, look, if you're to wake up this morning and you take a look at the standings right now, Tampa Bay holding on to the second wild card spot. They've got 69 points, partner. That's five points in front of New Jersey, who's uh, that first team out of a wild card. Now they've got two games in hand, but again, you can see how big. Some of these wins are were for the Lightning, not last game, obviously, but the previous two, where even if you've played more games, you have the separation necessary where even if the made-up games don't fall in your favor, you've still given yourself a cushion where you're okay. The games in hand, I think, they make me nervous. I mean, I think Lightning fans look at it, and, and it's it's natural to feel nervous because you could do the math. You could say, oh, well, they have two games in hand. They can make up four points. They make up those four points. They're essentially tied, talking about the Devils with the Lightning. Caps are six points back. They have three games in hand. They win those three games in hand. They're tied. Well, 
they're not going to play those three games, the Caps, in a row before the Lightning play again. They will be making up those three games over the next few weeks. But what if they win those games in hand? Where will the Lightning be? Which is why it is imperative that they keep putting points in the bank themselves. But I think Ottawa is a good example. So Ottawa went on a pretty good run there. They beat the Lightning. They rallied on Florida, lost in overtime. They they beat Dallas at home. They really manhandled Dallas. They won a home game against Dallas. And then they have a back-to-back at Washington at Nashville, and they got basically hammered both games. And it's kind of like, at what point does the rigorous schedule, because you have all these games in hand, right, catch up to you? I mean, the Senators still have four games in hand on the Lightning, and they've been playing a super busy schedule as it is. How the Penguins have only played 56 games this year is mind-boggling. They have five games to make up on the Lightning. I mean, how many weeks do we have left in the regular season? Seven? Something like that? Yeah. Right? I mean, five games in hand might, eh, well, whatever. Like, five games is not nothing. I mean, that means you're probably having regularly four game weeks with travel, back-to-backs. And you got to keep munching points because you're chasing. So we'll see how it plays out. I think Lightning Land would feel a lot better, though, if the Lightning could could get back right on the horse and and start putting more points in the bank. I would agree with all of that. And I think it it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the Lightning are in a position right now where it's about refining their game and and finishing on a strong note if they can. I think with this team, it's going to be interesting a little bit more because there are some quote-unquote newer faces where I think you want to get guys acclimated to their roles. I think you want to get guys settled maybe more so this year than in previous years. So I, mm-hmm. I do think there's a little more urgency to find quote-unquote their game before the season ends. And it felt like, even in the loss yesterday, that the Lightning are turning that corner. And maybe they've turned that corner the last couple of months where their play has been a little more consistent, maybe a lot more consistent than what we saw earlier in uh, 2003, partner. But I I do think going back on home ice for a a little bit now affords them the opportunity to really, I don't want to say, well, be a well-oiled machine and, and find more rhythm but I think it does give them an opportunity to to continue to munch some points and even move up in the standings as much as possible. Yeah. Well, so, look, they just want to keep distance between themselves and the teams behind them. Don't look now. The Red Wings. So the Maple Leafs had a long winning streak. What did they want? Like seven in a row? And then they lost to Vegas at home last night. So they went seven and one in their last eight, the Maple Leafs. Yeah. They have a two-point lead on Detroit. Detroit has won six in a row. Yeah. So look, it can turn in a hurry. It wasn't that long ago that the Red Wings came out of the break and they were, what, one and two or something like that? And then they just got hot. They're rolling right now. They laid the hammer down on Washington. Yep. Put up a snowman. No guarantee that's going to continue for them. But what I'm saying for the Lightning, they could get hot. They could put some distance for sure. themselves and the teams behind them. For sure. The schedule is laid out nicely for them. They're at home. 
There are practice days in there. The schedule is not rigorous. This is an opportunity. Even if the Lightning were in a different standing spot, it would still be an opportunity for them to get a lot of points. They got 10 points on the table yeah. in this homestand. Let's see how many they, they can grab. If Bill up. were here, he'd say, would I'd like to see them get seven or more. That's probably what he would say. David? The goal seven, Vassie, points, seven out of ten points. <laughs> it wasn't a good goal that Vassy gave up last night, but the lightning, you know, and then I'll, yeah, I'll get it. Well, we'll hear him say it tomorrow. It'll be a lot of fun. I appreciate that. Do we want to get to some questions, or is there sure. anything else that you wanted to hit on? Well, let night? me just let me just say one more thing on the Flyers, who the Lightning are going to see in a little over a week. The Lightning, I thought, carried play for much of the second period. I'm not sure they carried play. In the first period, it was more of just an even period. They carried play in the second. That's why I said I don't think the Flyers had, maybe after the first shift, one legit scoring chance in the entire second period. But it's not as though the Lightning overwhelmed the Flyers either. I thought the Flyers defended at a very high level yesterday. So when I said a month ago the Flyers didn't give the Lightning their A game, I think defensively they were, they were more like the team that has done well this year last night and maybe they they buckled down based on some of the guys they were missing look it appears so drysdale's out week to week wrist alignments on ir two of their seven defensemen that play regularly are going to be out not just short term longer term connect neither leading scorer is shorter term but he was not available either and they were coming off a game in which they gave up seven they they were buttoned up defensively they deed up last night. I think it was a challenge for them. Not only because they were missing some of their regulars, but also that they'd given up seven the game before. They responded. So look, yeah. if they defend like that down the stretch, I think they're going to get into the playoffs. Even if they make some moves at the deadline. Chatting with some of the Philly guys before the game, What's their sentiment? Well, of the two defensemen that we've talked about that may get moved, Walker and Sealer. So Walker makes more than Sealer, meaning that the subsequent raise that either player might get, Sealer will get more of a raise than Walker. I mean, Walker's not going to go from 2.65 to $6 million, right? I mean, he's not going to get that big of a raise, whereas Sealer conceivably could go from 775 to two and a half, three. I mean, he could. He could get a $2 million raise plus. I'm not sure the Walker is going to get that much of a raise. But the Philly guys were saying they really want to see Sealer stay. And and the, the talk was maybe they wouldn't be able to afford Walker. But I mean, if you're paying Sealer, then maybe you can't afford to keep Walker. Walker looked good last night. Yeah, though. he did. That was a heck of a finish he had on that shot. What was the sentiment in terms of just overall what the team may do at the trade deadline? Well, I mean, they didn't really get into that so much. Uh, and when I say the Philly guys, basically their radio, their radio team, but they were asking me about the left-handed defenseman with Sergachev out. I said, look, I think the Lightning would like to add a left-handed defenseman. Whether yeah. they can do it remains to be seen. We might, we might want to address that a little later on in the show, right? Yeah, well, we've talked about it for sure, and some of the more. fans have talked about it. Yeah, right, right. But A little more of a deep dive, maybe, is what mm -hmm. we saw there. Um, 
Flyers are a good team, though. Like they will, they, they will be a tough out in the playoffs because they can defend and they can kill penalties. George says, "Thank you so much for figuring out a way to call the game. All of us, Lightning Nation, greatly appreciate it." Yeah, how what was the panic level among Lightning fans when there was no picture on the screen? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Well, they came What's over to happening? us. They came over to the radio side, right? Well, oh, that's, not that's right away. They, they listened to you and Chief and Eric. Yeah. When they say our numbers went up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Jason says 2023 24 Lightning. Consistently inconsistent. No other way to describe them, really. Another head scratcher tonight. So he had that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, look, they didn't have. How should I put this? They had a bad goal go in early in the third, and then they didn't handle what happened next very well. But they weren't. They weren't as inconsistent. I don't know if inconsistent is the right word. They weren't as loose defensively as we've seen them. Even in the third period, I think it was more that. They couldn't, they couldn't execute with the puck to start applying pressure to get back in the game. That's how I saw it. But the, uh, the fan is right. Jay is right. Like, they won two in a row, two big wins, and then they can't follow it up with another win. And they lose the final game on the road trip. Huss says they don't really play. They didn't really play bad tonight. I like their game and chances just gave up three soft ones and it was a close game. He really thinks they gave him three soft ones. I mean, the Brink goal was not as as soft as the Forrester goal. I felt Vasilevsky normally stops that shot. I heard Chief say it nicked off the defenseman's stick. That's how, that was the one with the Han. The Han was the one guy back. But, you know, Vasi gets a piece of it. And and it still goes in. That's that's a little bit like the Braden point shot that we see where he moves left to right and shoots back across the grain or McKinnon. We've talked about him. And maybe Brink surprised Vasilevsky a little bit. That one is probably more on Vasilevsky than how the Lightning defended, but it wasn't it wasn't as inexcusable, essentially, as the Forster goal. I don't know that I really would call goals three or four soft. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but no, I think the one we called soft was the force circle. Yeah. But he said three soft goals. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would, I would agree with that. Al says Vassy doesn't have many stinkers, but last night might be categorized as one. That being said, the players gave him little defensive support in the third D men kept backing in, allowing too many easy shots. That's peewee stuff. This game was winnable. Well, at the very least, how the first two periods looked, it appeared that it could be very likely a game that would go to overtime, at least for the Lightning. At least tie the third period. You want to win the third period, but at least tie the third period to get points out of that game. Yeah. And they didn't. I think Al momentum had a lot to do with how that period looked. Because earlier in the game, the Lightning weren't having those problems. The Flyers were not getting sustained pressure. The Flyers were not as dangerous off the rush. The Flyers didn't have the puck nearly as much. But they were able to catch a stiff breeze in the back when they you got know, the lead, and they rode that wave of momentum. And it it started with the one bad goal. I don't think Vassy had 
a lot of bad goals. I think he had one, but I, I don't think the lightning, I mean, they didn't. They didn't stop the momentum. They weren't able to curb it. And does that mean it was a stinker for Vassy? It was I, look when he gives up a soft goal that changes the complexion of a game. Does that qualify as a stinker? Probably. His expectations are pretty high. The yeah. standards are high. I think that would probably be fair. I think it was more circumstantial in terms of how the game unfolded. As for the reason it was a stinker, not necessarily because Vassy gave up four soft goals. It was one bad one that led to a stinker of a game from the third period perspective. Yeah, in this game, the Lightning didn't play as poorly in this game as they have played in some of their other losses this year, particularly on the road. But one similarity between this game and some of those other losses, goals and bunches against. And and that really hurt them last night. Three goals in the opening 6.55. And if you want to start with the Forster goal, it was three goals in a six-minute, one-second span. End of the game. Howard says, it felt like we didn't work nearly hard enough. You absolutely should know that you can't play soft against a Tortorella team. I feel like that's a general comment. Did you get the sense they were soft? I didn't, I didn't think that was the case i think that they didn't look great in the third period as we have said many times already on the show today because the momentum was running against them they had a stiff breeze in their face and the other team was coming at them because they got a boost earlier in the game though i don't think the third period did not resemble what we saw in the first two and i challenge any of our listeners to try and convince me otherwise so if you're going to make some kind of statement about the game, it has to be qualified to say, well, this is how it looked in the third period. Why did it look that way in the third period when it didn't look that way in the first or second? Because the Flyers got momentum and the Lightning weren't able to handle it as well as they probably needed to. At Bolts Radio. On X, if you want to get involved with the conversation, Thomas says Vassy's now four and six since the break. Not all on him, but a lot of soft goals in that span. His save percentage is also lower than the other seasons with last night at 0.86. Is his workload too high coming off the injury? No, I don't think that's the case. I mean, he had what? 10 days off. Yeah. During the break. You know, look, because of how the season started with him recovering still, there's going to be a belief that maybe it, it kind of threw off the routine, the way he would normally train, the way he would go about his business in the offseason outside of just healing and having surgery that maybe has allowed him to be, by his standards, a bit more inconsistent than what we've seen in previous years. Numbers are numbers, so I, I, I do want to be clear on that. Stats don't lie, but you can, you can interpret them a bit differently. And I think, even though Thomas gave some of those numbers over the last 10, I think Vassie's played a lot better over the last month or two than what we saw when he first came back. And I think that makes some sense because he didn't have the training and the and the practice 
that you typically would have in training camp. Is that an excuse? It is not. I think some of this season, maybe a lot of it, is Vassy playing catch-up. And I think my hope is that come playoff time, and again, assuming the Lightning make the playoffs, he will be at a level that we are used to seeing for a longer period of time. So has the goaltending been a problem this year? If I'm being if I'm being honest with my analysis, Thomas, and our audience, I've said the numbers for the Lightning goaltenders this year, I think sometimes haven't told the story. I actually think at times they've played very well and are a big reason why they are in a playoff spot. I mean, you start the year with Johansson and Nett, somewhat of an unproven goaltender. That's a big deal. And your backup is unproven as well. And you're able to be in a position to make the playoffs 60 games into the season. I call that a win. I call that goaltending depth. Mm-hmm. And I think Vasi is working himself back. I don't think last night was a great game, but it was really, for me, one goal that allowed the game to get out of hand. But I think he's played better. And for me, that's encouraging moving forward. I don't know where you stand on that partner, but I, I mean, I, yeah. I it's more of like, I, I feel like he's going to revert back to being the dominant guy. And that this year has been a little bit different just because of circumstances. So I think the lightning have, have defended poorly as a whole this year. So their goaltenders have had to bear the brunt of some numbers that are probably worse than how they have played last night. I think the lightning played better defensively than what the final line shows. Forget about the empty netters. They played better than a game in which they would have allowed four goals. I mean, Eric, a lot of times has that old expected goals number in there, which I'm not crazy about that stat, but I mean, look, sometimes it it does give you a general picture. And basically what they're saying is looking at the the number of the quality shots that the Flyers got they should have scored X number of goals and it was basically one. That's kind of what they were saying. Again, I don't know their methodology exactly to determine how they come up with that, which is why I don't always really ever pay attention to those stats unless somebody has an article I'm reading and they reference it. So I see it. I don't ever look up that stuff myself. Whether you believe expected goals is like indelible ink or you just kind of take it as one piece of the the story of a game. I think last night was an example in which it wasn't that the lightning defended worse than their goaltending. I think that they defended better than what the final goal number was. That's kind of how I would answer last night's game. I think as a whole though, reason why you have said you feel that Vasilevsky and Johansson should deserve credit as team MVPs, which is a bold statement, but you have said that and I, and you believe it. It's because they have come up with some big games when the play in front of them has been loose. They've, they've helped the lightning hang in there yep. as they've tried to get their defensive game in order. I do think that the defensive game got in order on this road trip though. As we said at the beginning, they'd eight really good periods. Sure. The ninth period 
was a tough one. But it started with a goal on a on a play that was not a scoring chance. And we have to we have to bake that into the cake and understand how the third period unfolded and why it unfolded the way that it did. That's a good point. Hit us up on Twitter or X, I should say, at Bolts Radio. Anthony says almost every player on this team is fragile this year. We can worry about everyone's feelings and hope that everything will work itself out or make some decisions. Ben Sherry or send him to the AHL. Put Paul in the first power play. Give Johansson more starts and give Vassie some free time. I don't know about is every team fragile. What? Where does that come from? Yeah, I mean it's almost. So who is that fan? Anthony. Anthony. Anthony wants to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can you blame him? Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm putting this guy in, and this yeah. is how I'm working my. He's making moves. He's and, making moves and all of that. The players, the players don't have any say. I mean, they do have a say in in how they play, but they don't really have a say in who's in and who's out, right? That's the coach's decision. Look, Sherry's been a hot topic this year. Yeah, I think he's had get, a tough year. I mean, he's been injured in forty some odd games. It's been one he of those missed, years. He missed whatever it was, eleven or twelve. But when you get injured like that, you come to a new team, you sign a deal in the off season. I mean, you can make an argument with Sherry their biggest free agent acquisition. Maybe. I mean, based off term and you know what they wanted him to do this year, and it just hasn't it hasn't materialized. Mm-hmm for him. But again, a veteran player, you're hoping it does. I was wrong. He's missed 18 games. I had the number wrong, but he's played 43. How many goals? He has one goal. Nine this. As Mike Tomlin from the Steelers would say, that's below the line. Anthony says that uh, Vassie's playing too deep and doesn't fight the puck like he used to, automatically dropping in the butterfly when most players shoot high on him. He needs to play more aggressively. And it's Franz's job to figure it out. It started in the AF series. We all love Assy, but it's true. Well, I will defer to the goalie experts. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think I think fans should defer to the people who have spent their entire professional careers either playing the position or studying the position or coaching the position. So if there are holes in Vassy's game or anyone's game, the goalie coach is on it. But sometimes it's a matter of going out and executing. Look, you mentioned the stats. The numbers do not lie. Vasilevsky's allowed more goals this year than he has in years past. Yeah, for sure. But I'm not I'm not confident enough to make those bold assessments as Anthony did. Yeah, I mean, I... We should have Chief on. I mean, we can ask Chief that question. You should actually ask Chief that question tomorrow. See what he says. Chief, we took a a question on, on X about Bassey. What do you think? Well, look, I try and be honest in my assessment to the fans. And I see the game a certain way. But if it's an area that's a little outside my my comfort zone to be able to speak intelligently about it. I choose not to speak about it. Not because I'm dodging a question. It's just because I am, I am not qualified to answer that question. There'd be so many things I'm qualified to talk about though. Yeah. We have people who are qualified to talk about (laughs) it. So look, I mentioned the Brink goal to me, and I am stating my opinion here. I felt that that was more on Vasilevsky than on anything else. Chief disagreed. 
Chief is saying that's nicking off the defenseman's stick and it's coming at you quickly. And he did not feel, I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth because I heard a little bit of what he said during the intermission. <laughs> you can correct him if I'm wrong, but he made it sound like there was a little bit of bad luck on, on how that Brink shot yeah. beat him. I mean, I think any time Chief played the position and has been analyzing the position and broadcasting hockey for upwards of 50 years. Yeah, I think that's fair. Chief started broadcasting in the late 70s. Look, we don't have to, you know, let people know about Chief's credentials. He's he's qualified. I mean, right. he, he gives but that's you why I'm saying Chief should answer that that tweet. And 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 tell Anthony what he thinks. Anthony so, Anthony might have very good points. I, so just I will say that, that I'm qualified to answer these these goaltending assessments. Phil has said something recently, and maybe it goes with this tweet from Scott, who says it seems Fassi has been leaking on the short side this year. Is there a stat available that tracks that? Hasn't Phil mentioned a couple of times blocker side? Yeah, Phil has talked. So he's observed side. that. But, you know, earlier in Vasilevsky's career, they were like, well, he didn't grow up playing baseball like a lot of uh, a lot of North American goalies. So it was, it's his glove side. I remember people were talking about that. Yeah, I, I it just, you know, it, it's something that stood out with Phil. Yeah. You know, an accomplished goal scorer. And that's not always the short side. I like the brink true. goal beat him stick side, but that was not on the short side. That was yeah. across the grain yeah. to the far side. You see how this goes, though. You know, you see, you see some weakness a little bit, and yeah. fans start start picking up on it. And I'm I'm not saying it's wrong. I I think there's a lot of things that go on in the goaltender position, like you know when there's a soft goal, and the eye test will show you. I think right. goals that are are deflected. I don't. Do you fault the goaltender? I don't fault the goaltender. Well, it depends how much was it deflected. I guess. Sometimes it's hard to tell how much. I think any deflection, I'm not sure you blame the goalie. I guess that's what I'm saying. Any yeah. deflection, I'm not sure I'm blaming a goaltender. I will make a general comment, and and I think that this is, I've said this before in relation to Edmonton. I know I said it earlier this year in relation to Edmonton. When the puck goes in the net, the easiest person to blame is the goalie. Generally. And if if a team is allowing more goals than it wants to be allowing, the easiest person to blame is the goaltender. We've seen that in Edmonton time and time and time again. And and the Devils, the same thing with the Devils. Oh, Vanacek. Oh, Dawes. Oh, Schmid. If only we had this other guy. And it's never that direct. It's never that direct. Yeah, sometimes yeah. You, can, you can improve the position of goaltending. But if you're allowing too many goals or more goals than you would like, there are usually a lot of fingers in the pie leading to that. And that has certainly been true with the Lightning this year. Now we're coming off a game in which the Lightning actually defended pretty very well for 40 minutes. And I think it's it's natural to to kind of look at that game and say, well, this is my assessment. And this is how it's been all year. Well, the, the second part is wrong. That's not how it's been all year. But I think it's very easy to kind of 
fall into that. But, you know, when the team doesn't play well defensively in front of the goaltenders, we get the fans saying, uh, complaining about that too, right? Like the defensive system or this guy isn't doing what he's supposed to. So that's part of being a fan. I'm not calling out the fans. I'm just saying like it's a natural reaction to, first of all, being a fan and then, you know, having invested time, energy, passion into a certain team and that team is not doing as well as you would like. Yeah. You're look, you're you're a fan, you're allowed to talk about the team. Yeah. You can bring up what you feel like. It's that's why we have a show. We can have an open dialogue. By the way, speaking of fans, you can join us next Wednesday night, March 6th at the Cigar City Brewing Taproom Dave downtown. Live taping of the Block Party podcast presented by High Lie IPA. Greg Wolf, Brandon Coburn. They're going to be joined by a surprise lightning guest. It is not me and it's not you. To reserve your spot, go Definitely to TampaBayLightning.com slash Block Party Live. Now, Steve Erstick will be there. Steve knows who's coming, but, but he's not. I do, I do know who's secrecy. coming. Yes, I yeah. do know, but I've been sworn to secrecy. So Yes, I don't know who's coming. All right. So let me just close with this, Greg, because I think we we fielded. I don't think that we were particularly negative in the no. half of the show, but we took, it felt like it because we took a lot of negative. We took questions. a lot of negative comments tonight, specifically about Vasilevsky. That's right. Let's pull back for a second. Let's go to the Greg Lanelli 30,000 foot view. Love that view. Yes. Are the Lightning where they want to be? No. In terms of the standings? No. They would like to be higher. Are they in a better spot than a lot of teams behind them? Yes. What happened over those four days? The Lightning picked up two wins out of three games and delivered some very high-level hockey, especially defensively. All of that is very, very positive. Now they have to carry it forward into this homestand. And I maintain that if they continue to defend the way they did for eight periods <laughs> into the ninth, they are going to set themselves up for success. So I wanted to end on a positive note because yeah. it's not like this is not like when they dropped the three straight in regulation at home. They yeah. lost one game at the end of a road trip. And they actually played pretty well in that game. Sure. We'll take some more of these questions tomorrow because I think it's only fair and uh, kind of give ourselves a chance to decompress a little bit. And everything is still okay. The Lightning are in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> it will be good. It will be Look, good. We try, we try and be level and fair. We try and be fair and honest. Sure. And if the fans feel that that we haven't been today, then that's their prerogative. But we appreciate all questions. I love it. And it's good to hear that from the fans, that the level of, I think there was a level of frustration with how certainly the game ended. That's understandable. The players and coaches were frustrated too. Look, but I hope, I hope we I hope we took what you said and and listened to what you said and tried to give you a fair response. There's always a place on this show for dialogue, and we'll be respectful and break it down and make you think. We'll do it again tomorrow. Get those questions coming in via X at Bolts Radio Partner. Great job, and um, you know I, I always like these shows. I know sometimes it can get a little negative, but you gotta gotta take that big picture approach. Mm-hmm. Get that big picture approach. 
And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Great job. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Keep that power running. Keep that power running. Let's hope it's uh, it, it <laughs> keeps keeps chucking along. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well. Thanks to all of you for listening. We appreciate it. I am Greg Linnelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch right here on Letting Radio.